The Motivation of the Transfiguration. Way back in 1993, I climbed my first Adirondack High Peak. It was the beginning of a long and slow journey through the 46 mountains over 4,000 feet here in northern New York. Long because, well, it's now been 30 years since I began, and slow because as of Christmas last year, I had only completed nine of the 46. But something changed at Christmas, something that my brother and his wife, my sister and her family gave to me, which I call the gift of motivation. Let me show you. They got me this, this frame that has 46 cutouts for the 46 little peaks, each one of the peaks with its name, the height, little cutout making it look like the peak, and even better, on the back, a space to write what number, what the date was, and then who, who you were hiking with. Once you've completed it, you put the piece in there, and you see them add up. This has been staring in my face since Christmas. Motivation works. Since the last 29 years, I only had done nine. The motivation seems to be working since I've doubled that number in the last eight months. And as I was huffing and puffing my way up two peaks this past week, the thought of this feast day came up. Peter, James, and John at the Transfiguration. The three of them were fishermen. So as I was thinking about it, they hadn't done 18. I'm guessing this was their first. What were they doing climbing a mountain as fishermen? But I propose to you that the motivation that they received was the transfiguration. Not to climb yet another mountain, but all the figurative mountains of their lives, all the challenges, most particularly the challenge of the mountain that we call Calvary, the cross of the Lord. Look at what happened with them. They had time with Jesus alone, and how good that is for them to get away from all the distractions, not just the other nine apostles, but all the pressures of the world of their day. They got to go away to a quiet place by themselves with Jesus. It was so good that Peter himself said, how good it is to be here, Lord. Then at the peak of Mount Tabor, Moses and Elijah appear. If it was good to be with Jesus, now we're seeing a sign of the truth. Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets show to us, show to Peter, James, and John that this is a fulfillment of prophecy of old. Note, no other religious leader in the history of the world had prophets. Moses didn't, Muhammad didn't, Buddha didn't, Joseph Smith didn't. Go through all these religious leaders. You see, though, Moses and Elijah, you see very clearly in today's readings from Daniel, that clear prophecy of, of this day. And we can be sure that 
Peter, James, and John took the truth of this event and carried it with them. Carried it with them through all the days when lies were whispered. And then the voice, that beautiful voice from on high. You might notice mine is a little hoarse today. Mine is not to give you an, an image of a, of a beautiful voice, but the voice of the Father echoing through that mountain peak. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Think of that beauty. Think of that, think of that profound truth motivating them in the profound ugliness of things to come. Peter spoke of the goodness, truth, and beauty in our second reading today, right? We did not follow, he said, we did not follow clearly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, they were eyewitnesses of his majesty, of the goodness, of the truth, and the beauty of this experience that motivated them for the rest of their lives. Hopefully today it still holds true, the motivation of the transfiguration. But as I was, again, huffing and puffing my way up the mountains of Street and Nye this week, I realized there was something different. The transfiguration is still important. It's still inspiring. But unlike the gift of motivation from my siblings, we're missing something physical. But the Lord never lives, gives us less than we need. In fact, Peter spoke of the need, right, for something concrete. He said, Lord, let us build three tents, three booths here so that we can hold on to this event, so that we can maintain that, that drive, that motivation that we're experiencing right now. The Lord gives them to us. Sometimes we just miss them. Can I point out two for you today? Two motivators for us in the church, one old and one new. The old one, you might have noticed me reaching into my pocket to grab it. The old one's the rosary. Almost everyone in our world today knows that a need to, to pray. But what? How, how to pray? What to say and how long to do so? It's not the only way to pray, but what a profound gift in what I propose is the motivation. There's 46 blocks on this puzzle piece. There's 50 Hail Marys around a rosary. As we pray these rosaries, helping us meditate on the, the essential mysteries of the faith, including, once a week, those of us that pray it each day, the transfiguration. We reflect on this mystery as the, the beads slip through our fingers. Those of you that are, are praying it even daily, thank you, it's great. But I'd encourage you to ponder it like, like a motivator. What happens if you get interrupted halfway through? You want to keep on going. You want to finish it up later, and that's fine. Like a 30-year trek up the mountains, we stick with Our Lady. And if it's been a while since you've picked it up, maybe today is a good time to do so. A motivator for us to go ever deeper into our faith. What's the new one? <laughs> the new one is the written word. <laughs> so it's not that new. Um, but in 2,000 years of history, the written word is relatively new, especially almost universal literacy and universal access to 
papers and pens. What do I mean? If you need a motivator to enter more deeply into your faith, then do what we do here each week. Remember when the lector gets up and reads that prayer, Lord, show me one way in this Mass I can become a better version of myself? I know it happens. I know the Lord every Sunday reveals something to us, either in the, the words of the hymns or the readings or the prayers, sometimes, occasionally in the homily, often in the silence of our own hearts. He gives us something to chew on for that whole week. How often do we grab a hold of it? How often do we remember it? How often do we write it down? Some of you have uh, not only taken these when we gave them out a while back, but have continued to buy new ones, giving us a little journal for each time you come to Mass. It's nice. Others use their Magnificat or their, their Word Among Us and write something in the margin just to highlight what, what struck them. Others will just use the worship aid that we hand out to highlight what it is that struck you, or maybe write something in the margin, taking it home and putting it into the file to, to go back to. You'd be amazed. Just like looking at old photo albums <laughs> to remind us of things of the beauty, things that touched us, the beauty of the faith, help us grow in, appreci in appreciation all the more. It's great that we are here. It is good, Lord, that we are here. Weekly worship is essential to the Christian life. But Lord, please motivate us. Give us what we need to go ever deeper. I want to finish the high peaks, it's true. I want to get to the summits of each of them, but I would give up the whole thing. I would even toss out the gift. Don't tell my brother and sister, but I'd toss the whole thing out to help us go ever deeper, to climb this peak ever more earnestly so that we all might know the goodness of the Lord.